You're tuning in to Spectre Radio. Revisiting our favorite Star Wars movie moments and debating about scenes from the shows. We're just three millennials trying to find our way through the galaxy through the eyes of the Jedi, clones, and the Sith. I'm Wyatt. I'm Andrew. My name is Alyssa, and we are Spectre Radio. Radio. I'm sure you are. The resistance is dead. The war is over. But when I kill you, I have killed the last spoiler. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. Thank you, Supreme Leader Kylo. Luke, for the spoiler warning. Again, this is your warning for spoilers and adult content. When I found you, I saw raw untamed power and beyond that something truly special something inside me has always been there awake and I need help I've seen this raw strength only once before it didn't scare me enough then it does now let the past die Guys, get your head out of your cockpit. All right. This is my <laughs> podcast and I'm taking over. Oh, God. Welcome back to Spectre Radio. I knew you were going to use that one. <laughs> well, you put it in the group chat. So it was on the front of my mind. Of course. Um, unfortunately, we are missing one of our original crew members tonight um, uh. in the middle of a planet evacuation. Um, so Godspeed to you, Rebel. I hope everything is going well. Um, but lucky for all of you, we do have an amazing guest, my yes, friend, Mike. Woo! Woo-woo! Welcome. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so Mike is a former U.S. Coast Guard port security and counterterrorism officer, Dang. a disgraced <laughs> Imperial magistrate, Yep. and a current medical sales professional. His lifelong love of all things nerd culture, Dungeons and Dragons, comic books, Magic the Gathering, Harry Potter, Warhammer, Game of Thrones, and of course, Star Wars, is equaled only by the dark fury of his love for the San Diego Chargers. RIP. I feel really bad for you, my friend. Um, A proud father to four children. He keeps hope alive for the future of nuanced, diverse fandom. (laughs) Um, After all, rebellions are built on hope. Um, now, Mike, I heard a story about you and I wanted to know if it's true. Alyssa, everything <laughs> you've heard about me is true. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it, guys. Woo! 
So excited. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> All right, let's have Wyatt take it away with the opening scroll. Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. The First Order reigns. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa, band of resistance fighters, stand against the rising tyranny. Certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the flight, but the resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds towards the rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. Now we're going to go to our fan favorite segment, Access the Archives! Archives, archives. Love it. <laughs> reverb, reverb, reverb. reverb. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part. Um, love it. Well, I know I have a laundry list of, of, of uh, <laughs> things here, so... I, I will uh, defer to the two of you because I'm sure you'll have some on this list. So what do you what do you guys have for access the archives? Um, so I've got I've got three um, kind of uh, obscure pulls from some of the folks that were in this cast. Um, the first is on the bridge of one of the uh, first order ships is Katie Dickey, who some of you may recognize from the horrible death that she met in the movie Prometheus. Uh, the horrible death that she met as. Uh, Lysa Aaron in Game of Thrones. Oh, no way. In the movie The Witch. Um, she is a Scottish actress. She's a very recognizable face um, and was the puppet that uh, Littlefinger used to start the War of the Five Kings. Right. Um, wonderful character, wonderful flawed character from the books. She did a wonderful portrayal of him. She was on the bridge of... I cannot remember the name of one of the one of the ships. Um, also, in a similar role, uh, but meeting a, a much worse fate, on the bridge of uh, the uh, Resistance flagship was Michaela Cole, who was in a, a British show called Chewing Gum and had an HBO show that was phenomenal. Probably my second or, or first best uh, favorite show of the year called I May Destroy You. Um, mm. Wonderful, wonderful actress uh, and creator. She wrote everything on that show. Uh, she gets sucked out into space along with Admiral Akbar and the rest of the bridge crew. Rip. Um, during that major year. rip. Major rip. So yeah, unfortunately uh, for her. Yeah. The other one of my my ones that I wanted to point out was this is the second movie in which Andy Circus really goes ham, saying the word raw. <laughs> yes. Raw power. Um, <laughs> Also, he had a moment when, uh, as Gollum, he was describing uh, the fish that he was eating as raw and wiggling. Um, so just a wonderful pull from him. I really wish and I looked. I looked for this. I looked if as Ulysses Claw in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he ever had the chance to say raw with a South African accent. Unfortunately, he did not. Oh. This may be the only mistake uh, from the Black Panther movie. Is that big? Find a way to work him <laughs> saying the word raw into that. Honestly, uh, we're and petitioning Black Panther 2. Make it happen. Make it happen. Andrew is so <laughs> triggered right now. I'm sure. Oh, man. Well, man, I want to actually <laughs> he Sorry, just ahead, stole. Wyatt. No, he just stole one of mine about Andy Serkis that he also that he was also um, Gollum as well as Snoke. Did you know he was also the the I forget what the um, what the role is, but where they actually animate based on their face. 
Mm-hmm. So obviously Snoke was CG'd, but they used Andy's face with all like the dots that they put on your face to, to kind of move his mouth in the way that Andy's was. And it's the same way that they did Gollum. I'm just picturing well. like his mouth going open when he's killed. <laughs> <laughs> when he goes, oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah, I could see how did, that. How, how was it again when his when he was killed? Was it? Yeah, that right. nasty O face. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a very long list of cameos for this film. And it's really funny because my list is literally none of the people that you just listed. I thought like, oh, wow, this is a lot. But there is even more. So apparently Tom Hardy was a stormtrooper and I missed it. Um, and Gary Barlow, those scenes were actually cut. Same with Prince William and Prince Harry. They were also stormtroopers and that scene was cut. Everybody stormtroopers. Dang. Yes. Um, Gareth Edwards had a cameo. I had no idea. He also had a cameo in Rogue One. He was a director for that or a part of that. Um, so what the heck? And then remember when they get to the casino um, on Canto Bite? And then when they first land on the beach, there's like this alien looking guy talking to what we can presume is the police. And he's like, I told those two not to go in there. Blah, blah, blah. Guess who that was? You'll never freaking guess. It's blowing my mind. That was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Really? Yes. Wow. But he was doing this kind of crazy voice thing. Wow. And there you go. Wait, isn't didn't um, Mark Hamill play the the, the smaller alien that was putting the, the coins in a BB-8. Yes, you're right. The- yes, that's right. That sounds right. The drunk, drunk one that I kept feeding <laughs> like a slot machine. Yeah, we're not we're not judging. He was he was enjoying a few. Adult it's a casino. I, I mean, he yeah, drunk. he was probably drunk. He was a little sloppy, but another celebrity cameo in the casino since we're talking about it. Did you guys know that Carrie Fisher's dog, Gary, is actually in the casino scene? I've heard about this. Yeah. (laughs) And um, it says that he's a pet of a gambler and he can be found at the bar. Dot, 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 dot. I just thought that was pretty cute. (laughs) Yes. So love that. Um, This was another really interesting fact that Ryan Johnson, one of the only things he asked to change in J.J. Abrams' version of the script was to allow R2-D2 to accompany Ray to Octo instead of BB-8 so that R2 could feature more and also echo the fact that he was on Dagobah while Luke was being trained by Yoda very much the same way that Ray was being trained by Luke. That's really cool. So also, I thought that was interesting. was R2 just chilling on the Falcon the entire time? Um, I Because guess. I remember watching this movie and I'm like, where did he come from? Like, Last I knew, he was with the Rebels. Or the uh, Resistance, rather. No, right, right, right. We're splitting hairs. Um, No, I think we saw, like, Ray was leaving. But, yeah, to your point, I don't think they explicitly said, like, yeah, R2 is going with her. But, I mean, if you think about it, that would make sense. Like, uh, BB-8 is not her droid. And R2 is Luke's droid, right? Right. So, to reunite them would make sense. And And then, as a follow-up to Adam's question from our last podcast about why, um, you know, this R2 was CGI in the last film. And then this film was not Jimmy V plays R2D2 replacing Kenny Baker following his death. So I think that kind of answers your question, Adam, of like what happened there. So that's kind of interesting. Um, one other very interesting fact, which I couldn't believe and had to 
really focus on upon rewatching was no lightsabers actually cross each other in the heat of battle in this movie. A first for a main trilogy Star Wars film. We don't get any lightsaber battle. Uh, yeah. We get we get battles involving lightsabers versus like the temple guards or whatever they're called in Snoke's chambers. Or Ray versus room. a rock. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that. And we never see Kylo and Ray fight each other with blades. We see them fighting over a blade. Mm-hmm. But when I heard that, I was like, that makes no sense. But I guess... I like wonder why Luke, Luke and Kylo don't really count at the end since that's odd. Cause aren't there two other things that are in every main star Wars movie, which is that, that crazy ah sound. It's Wilhelm. It's a Wilhelm. Yes. A Wilhelm. And the other one is, doesn't, doesn't somebody in every main star Wars movie say, I have a bad feeling about yes. this. Yes. And they did in, not in say movie. it in this movie. Well, BB-8 said it. Yes. <laughs> that's the, he beeped it. Binary. Oh, yes, exactly. But right to your point, and then punch it. We got two two punch it's in this movie, right. <laughs> um, like right after each other, one after the other. But yeah. And then speaking of um, Laura Dern as Admiral Holdo, when you watch her in slow motion, actually says pew when she ignites no. her blaster. She mouths <laughs> pew, pew, pew as she's doing it. That's perfect. <laughs> wow. I thought that was great. That's perfect. That's funny. A couple of mine, because half of mine were literally just already said. Um, so when creating this film, they actually had to make life-size fighters, um, like the X-Wings and everything that was, and like, um, Kylo Ren's personal ship as well. That was all they had to build that because they couldn't figure out a way to film all the sequencing with it. So they said, F it, we're just going to build a full-size version of this, just like they did with the Falcon as well. Man, I want to be on that set just to play with all of that. I, I just want to sit in Kylo Ren's fighter. That's all I want to do. Same, but not for the same reasons. I know. <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't use the words. And there's the certain the, words on this podcast tonight. Warning. So there it is. I'm holding myself back. <laughs> no, mine is mine would be the resistance bomber. That's the one that I want to get in and get in all all angles of that when I was and kid, fall though. out of it. Yeah, I would definitely be the ball gunner that um, got shot down by one of the TIE fighters. I would definitely <laughs> Same. So. I don't think any of us would actually survive. <laughs> and lastly, mine's actually a question to see whether any of you two know this. Ooh. Name one of the scenes that was not green screened. Oh, wow. One of the major scenes that was not green screened. There's so many scenes in this movie. That was one of my worst, by the way. So <laughs> the, the amount of scenes. I, I couldn't think of one that, that the throne room scene at the end. What? That was not that was all real fabric, stage, everything. You're lying. No, and then when it's when it's on fire, it was legit on fire. Holy sh- Wow. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I, when I when I was looking for stuff to talk about for this topic, I saw the picture of it, and it's it's a full soundstage. Oh, and I think it's like green screen behind the fabric, though, right? For it the, is like, it is for the like the space view, right? But as far as like you know, because we don't see what's going on until you know they start fighting and wow, the, right? The, the and you think to- it's like a right, and then you're like, ooh, yeah, that was cool. So I thought Dang. that was that was pretty 
That's pretty cool. Incredible. That way they're not quote unquote cheating and just going for a green screen. They actually wow. built a full size set for this. Yeah. That's my favorite scene in this movie, by the way. So good. Yeah. It's Even tough. though it has problems. Well, what doesn't we'll, have problems? Notwithstanding. Fair. It's Star Wars. <laughs> we haven't one, got there yet. <laughs> one other one we didn't cover really fast because I'm Puerto Rican. I have to give a shout out to Benicio del Toro. Um, <laughs> his character's name is DJ. And I never realized this until I read this, that DJ stands for don't join since he flip flops sides based on the paper. Um, and actually on his hat, it says DJ in Arabesh, the letters D and J. Oh. And upon rewatching, he literally says to Finn, like, yeah, this is why you whatever, 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 you don't join. And I was like, oh my God, he like literally explained why he's called DJ. What the heck? So there you go. Behind those the scenes. Are, those, are, those are really cool. Those are, those are fun ones to kind of find out about, especially those little hidden things like DJ in Arabish on, on his head. Yeah, never would have known that. Sorry, I'm not fluent in Arabish. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't mentioned about the the last Jedi being plural and not singular. Yes. Yeah. I thought I brought it up once and I was like, <laughs> you let brought me it not up more than once. Yeah. I just, it's just a mind bend and I loved it. So yeah, just so everyone is aware if they haven't listened to other episodes of our podcast <laughs> in other countries, when the trailer and all the promotional information for this film, the last Jedi came out in Spanish, it was Los Ultimos Jedi. So it was plural. So Los like L would be singular, Los would be plural, right? So basically just kind of alluding that Jedi was a group of people, like the last group of Jedi and not just one singular Jedi. Like the movie was kind of explaining that it was one Jedi. But I did read that Ryan Johnson only intended it to be Luke Skywalker and one Jedi. So I don't know where that change was made, but I thought that was pretty interesting. That's what happens when you get multiple directors trying to oh, get their, their staple get on Star Wars. I am sure we will get to that. <laughs> I cannot wait. So let's move on so we can we can get to get to that topic. So our expectations of this film. So this is the middle film of this of the newest trilogy. It came out two years after The Force Awakens. This came out in December of 2017. But didn't we get Rogue One in between these films? We did. Yes. I remember that vividly. (laughs) Fan freaking fantastic. If you haven't listened to that already, go back and listen to our Rogue One pod. Yes. It is one of of our faves. One of the only things I think all three of us agree on is Rogue One is definitely top three. Michael, how do you feel about that? Rogue One is the second best Star Wars movie made, and it contains my absolute favorite scene. Saul Guerrero. In all of Star Wars. No. <laughs> that's Guerrero. your oh, favorite that's, scene, Wyatt. That's close. that's close. Which one? The argument between the political leaders Ooh. in the rebellion when they're trying to decide whether or not to attack the Death Star. I love seeing the infighting inherent in any rebellion, mm. in any you know, group of folks and, and no matter who it is, whether it's the, you know, the American revolution, yeah. you know, whether it's uh, the civil rights movement, anywhere there, there's going to be that little bit of infighting and seeing that and seeing how you've got the fighter command that wants to do one thing. Radis wants to do a different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bail Organa wants to do something else. The, 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 the very interesting people that are in that scene. That is my 
absolute favorite scene in all of Star Wars. And my second is another one that I'll bring up later in the podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Little, a little teaser for later. I love it. That was a bold claim. I love that a lot. So for me, so this was, we waited two years in, in our time for this, but in canon, it was. In our time. Canon, it was six months. No, like, it was instant. No, in canon, it's like three days. Yeah. Three days. Okay. Yeah, there was like no so time that had passed between I, the two films. I knew I knew it was short. I knew it wasn't, you know, Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens, where it's three decades. I knew I knew it was quick. Bless. <laughs> Thank so, God. So <laughs> after watching The Force Awakens, I had very high expectations for this film. On first watch, I hated it. What? Let me let me finish. Oh no. On first watch, I hated it because of who I watched it with. It was with <laughs> friends from work who oh, they influenced it. me quite a bit, saying that the director killed the franchise. He hated <gasps> this film. And in fact, when you type in The Last Jedi on Google, one of the suggested autofills is why is the Last Jedi so hated? Mm-hmm. Have they not seen episode nine? Like, come on. <laughs> so Wow. Upon rewatching it this week, I can't believe I'm saying this. This is one of my top three Star Wars movies. Wow. Oh my, my gosh. It's, it's my third favorite Star Wars movie. I, I think I agree with Mike. I think this is my third favorite above all the others. Um, is Revenge of the Sith still number one? <laughs> I'm not a. No. We'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> um, oh boy. I don't know this this movie. I understand why I got so much hate. I really do. I get it because we're not moving the plot line forward, essentially. Mm. Because you know we got just basically just this giant chase scene going. It's on. a whole movie of side missions. Like if it we're really honest, is. it really is. Which I know is. <laughs> Is Ethan's favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, Ethan from Nerd Institute absolutely loves side missions. Um, but after upon rewatching, and like this is part of my best, is that at the very, very end of this movie, I got a little choked up. Oh my I, God. I, I literally for- cried minutes before we started recording like, tonight, I, though. I forgot how like mm-hmm. sincere every, everybody is and how much of a leader. leader um, Princess Leia really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this, this goes back to my, to my first, to one of my worst of the last podcast is, you know, it took so long to get this female protagonist. Yes. And now we're, now we're seeing that continue in this, in this movie. And it's, it's great to see. I'm totally jumping ahead to my, to my best and worst. That's okay. But Mike, what was, what was your expectations of this movie? So, so I had two and one is silly and one is super controversial. I'll go I with the it. silly one first. So the silly one is, you know, somebody with four kids. I don't have a lot of time to sit down and play, um, you know, play video games to play on a PlayStation or anything else like that. Um, one of the things that I do is I'll play the mobile game uh, Galaxy of Heroes, Ooh. which is a Star Wars game where you choose all these different people. And one of the things that happened and it's my background now, is they released the Kylo Ren character <gasps> was unmasked. And you can Oh my see God, him. it's my husband. And he was <laughs> and he's and he's he's making the OnlyFans eyes at you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know it's exciting. But he was a really cool kid. This this that this, this uh, you know mobile game 
releases really cool characters, you know, concurrent with or before or right after a new series comes out. So they, they had the Mandalorian characters. And I remember being super excited for this unmasked Kylo Ren. He's a tank. He draws the attention of the enemy. He has this really cool lightsaber flourish that he does. So that was one of my absolute favorites was just, was just absolutely <laughs> loving how fun. I'm dying at the word was. tank and why it is looking at me like, please. And it is smoldering yourself. <laughs> it is. He is smoldering at you. So um, I was, I was, I was really, really enjoying. Um, I want you to that park and- that Mack truck light in this little garage. <laughs> <laughs> and why it is like, I'm oh, leaving the chat. Man. We are leaving the chat and Cardi B is joining. <laughs> Okay. No, out of here with that. Oh, okay. this was a lot of it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was it was a cool thing because to me it was like, oh, Kylo's got the mask off. This is really interesting. Where are they going to go with this? And my second thing was I, I remember the line, and it, this was hard because I'm gonna lie. The best Star Wars movie ever made is the original trailer for um for Rogue One. Oh, what will you do yes. when they catch you? What will you do when they find you? What will you do when they break you? Saw Guerrero's voice. So that's that's cool. It was hard to be a trailer after this, but the line <laughs> that Luke has time for the Jedi to die. I'm sorry, but as a smuggler, a con man, a gambler, a trickster, a, a poet with a blaster, and a disgraced Imperial magistrate, the Jedi are the least interesting part of Star Wars. Oh. I'm sorry. I like wow. the smugglers. I like the rebels. I like the cads. I think that's the one thing that this trilogy was missing because Poe is kind of a member mm. of the resistance. He's part of the military. Finn is a former stormtrooper. There's no, there's no one really. And again, before we get to DJ, I have problems with DJ, but before we get to DJ, right, later, right, right, right. I knew, no I knew one, you were going to go there. Yeah, he's my least favorite character. There's no film. rogue. There's no roguish energy. And the most interesting people to me in the galaxy are the ones that have to make their way by their wits and their blasters and their slicer gear and their modified freighters gear. and everything else. <laughs> it's so, BB-8. He's the only roguish one in this <laughs> film. He's <laughs> binary and he's cute. So to me, I was excited for right. Let the Jedi die. Let this weird binary of these space virgins who have problems with anger go away. Can we get space virgins <laughs> with problem with anger He's issues? Not wrong. They can, cannot can have we get the Night Sisters. Can we get great Jedi? Ooh, can we get ooh, anybody ooh. else other than the Jedi? Are Jedi. They're bad and the rule of two. I just wanted to see something sure, different. Sure, sure. So I was super excited from that trailer to see where they were going to go with the Jedi. And they and to you. me on the first watch. I loved this movie and I'll get to this later, but I loved this movie as someone who's fallen down and had to pick myself back up and everything else like that. Yeah. I get Luke being like, I screwed this up and I want to run away. Yep. I get that. I really do. And you, you do what you're taught. Right. And like, I'm sorry, what did Yoda do when he made a huge mistake? Oh, I meditate on this. I will. Meditate. There's no. Well, he went away and just disappeared. I don't think. I don't know. If, like really, realistically, if he actually closed himself off from the force because he's Yoda. But yeah, I'll um I'll go very quickly through my expectations because I know we're very excited to get to the best and worst. But um, I brought a prop for mine just so you guys could see like my feelings <laughs> about this film. This was a Christmas gift I was given. 
when this film came out. And at this point I had gone full star Wars fan. Yes. Please take my photo. I look like a fool. <laughs> I'm wearing a porg ski hat. It has like a pom pom on the top of it. Oh beanie, my gosh. Beanie, I want it. Yes. I wear it all the time. Um, especially when I walk in the morning and my ears are cold, I just throw this on. It's great. And I walk around the neighborhood and I'm like, yes, I am that person with the Mickey mouse fanny pack to go with it. Um, but basically my parents at this point had just given up and they're like, yep, she's back into star Wars again, like full fledged. <laughs> so for Christmas, this was one of my gifts. And our family has this very weird tradition. Like my family makes weird traditions for everything. So for Easter, obviously we typically go to church and we have a ham like most Americans. Mm -hmm. um, and then we play a croquet tournament. Like, okay. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, my mom never participates because she thinks it's stupid and she's not wrong. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> but yeah, I just moved into a new house. My dad brought the croquet set. It's sitting in my no. living room. My backyard here is like two square feet. It's ridiculously small. Um, so that is a good example. But we also have this very weird but very fun tradition for New Year's Eve. We always go to hibachi dinner at the Japanese steakhouse, which I'm all about. It's my like favorite food. Keep going. And then we go to a movie and it's typically the blockbuster of the holiday season that we go see. And then we go over to my Puerto Rican cousin's house for coquito and the ball drop and dancing all night and cigars and dominoes and everything. And it's very fun. So basically, um, I always get super dressed up just to go to my cousin Sala because that's what we do. It's Sala season and you dress up for no good reason. And Sala is living room for those of you that don't speak Spanish. So basically it's living room season. You dress up just to go in your living room and take a photo and put it on Facebook. There you go. <laughs> but basically I was wearing a black gold sparkly dress with my porg hat through the movie theater. And I, my hair was all down and curly and not like homeless how it looks now. And I turned so many heads in the movie theater. And I think it was mostly because I had a porg on my head and I have a photo of me in like my new year's smoky eye, my red lip and my porg hat by the movie poster. Um, you think so the porg hat is what turned heads when you walk into a movie <laughs> theater filled with star Wars fans. That's fair. And also can I, can I offer a rebuttal? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, the LBD and the heels probably did it to him. <laughs> Not going to lie, but yeah, my parents were dressed up and my brother too. And um, I had already seen this movie when it first came out. And I was like, mom, dad, Chris, my brother, Chris, we have to go see it. And they were like, Ugh, like, whatever. I'm sure my dad was actually excited, but I think mm -hmm. at that point he had probably already seen it and was like, oh, again. And my mom, which I've talked about so many times, not a huge Star Wars fan. My younger brother, an okay Star Wars fan. So <laughs> I love this movie so much. I wanted to see it again. And then this was like one of the only Star Wars movies that was on Netflix. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah. I streamed the crap out of this movie when it was on Netflix. I used to literally snuggle up in bed with my BB-8 unit and watch this movie and eat popcorn and, and just be like, yay, Star Wars. Um, so I feel like out of all the films, I probably know this one the best. But then upon rewatching today, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot about this. I forgot about mm -hmm. that. So it's been a while. But, yeah, I think um, this was the one that I was super hyped for. I was like in full Star Wars mode again, fully obsessed, um, you know, dragged all my family to see it, even on New Year's Eve. And I was just all about it. So I don't know if that has any 
anything to do with my expectations, but that is just what I remember about when this movie was coming out. (laughs) So that being said, I think we've addressed all of our expectations. So we can segue into our next segment of what ifs. Um, So I don't feel super great about mine, but I, I think it's, still maybe worth having a conversation about. Um, so my thought was what if Kylo figured out where Ray slash and also Luke, um, were located when they were force timing, what oh we my call gosh, force timing. I was timing. thinking about this too. Do you think Kylo would have sent somebody to Octo? Do you think he would have gone? Do we think like, what do we think? I think he would have showed up next. That Kylo would have gone to Octo? He's got, obviously more of a grudge with Luke than he does um, Ray at this point. Obviously. I'm honest. When I was watching this, I was thinking the same thing and I was totally getting like Lord of the Rings kind of style vibes. Whenever. Okay. I'm whenever so Frodo, glad you said that. Whenever Frodo puts a ring on, they yes. all know where he is. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, they can see they, but they can't see each other's surroundings. Yes. We also get big Harry Potter energy from this movie. Anybody else? the mirror of Ezred a little bit. And like oh. when uh, Dumbledore is on that Island kind of thing with the spooky stuff going, I got a lot of Harry Potter vibes from this film too. It was, it was an interesting moment. I actually, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't think he would have gone because mm. I think for the first time he was getting ready to see him. She couldn't just attack him. Right. right? right she right. couldn't just go at, so she was actually hearing him. And one of the notes that I had from my rewatch that I redid that I did with, you know, with the kids, um, was there's that moment where, gosh, what is it? It's the first force time session. And, um, oh, it's, it's the way he says, did he tell you what happened about Luke? Yeah. He's so sad, mm-hmm. but he, it's like, wow, she's, she might actually hear me. I don't, I think if he had found out, I think, I think there was something alluring about the distance about the fact that they couldn't attack each other or fight. They had to like actually talk. Um, I, I think there really was something there that he was getting where somebody was really seeing him and the amount of pain that he had, who wasn't making fun of him the, the way that Snoke was. I also think, <laughs> I, I think he was really enjoying thirst trap Thursdays where he would just show Honest up to his, God. Yeah, shout on. out to our friends on thirst trap Thursdays. Nothing, oh just nothing on just, uh, just like, why does he have no shirt on randomly? Like, oh, it's, no, oh, don't. it's Ray. Don't. Oh, Ray's calling. Hold on a second. Let me make sure. <laughs> let me adjust. Hold on a second. Let me take this off. Let me <laughs> spray down. So it looks like I've been working out. And, yeah. <laughs> you have a cow? I do. I, like, I, so <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think that if he had found some way to find her, I think he would have found, I think he probably would have maintained the distance because he was getting something from the distance. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I totally agree with what you're saying, because I feel like almost to your point, like that made their connection that much stronger. And you can see that because like every time they have another force time session, like they can see more of each other. You know what I mean? Like they're getting to know the person, but they're also like, maybe not seeing more of the surroundings, but just kind of getting the whole picture. And then they eventually touch hands and they're like in the same room in the little hut on Octo. And you're like, Oh my God. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's a really, those are really interesting points. You guys did really good with that one. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, my, what if, so this is one of my only kind of bugs about the film. Um, so what if 
Leia actually used the force, like how she was trained. What do you mean? So we find out in the next movie right. that she trained with Jedi as a Jedi. And obviously we learn in this movie that she is force sensitive and can just Superman back into the bridge of it. Of, uh, Superman. Yeah. Um, back into the ship. So like, and you, I'm not sure whether it's like mother's instinct or whether just the force, how she could sense that her son was, was close. Probably both. I want to say more the force just because it is star Wars. We'll ask the parent in the room eventually. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like she might've force choked Poe a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> if she were conscious, maybe. Um, I know like this is, this was a hard um, question for me because I liked quite a bit about this film. So there's not much that I would have wanted to change. Yeah, I agree. Um, So what if she was able to use Luke style force, like um, not necessarily as powerful as Luke with, you know, being able to kind of force, Project yourself sure, into sure. a whole other well, side of the right. galaxy. Her training was different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hers was more agility kind of based training from what it appeared to be. Right. 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 Which kind of explains Ray's training later being that agility course. But yeah, I think like if we're going to give it the the Star Wars answer, it's because the that movie, that piece of plot wasn't out there until later, like you're kind of saying. But I do like that what if because it would definitely be interesting to get a better explanation of the full force of her force abilities and really see that instead of it just being like, Oh, she's force sensitive and, and what happened. Right. But, because for me, if I'm force sensitive, I'm using it all the time, whenever I can. Yeah. We said to get beer out of the fridge, snacks out of the pantry. You know, I'm totally going to pull an Anakin and use it to kind of float fruit up and, you know, cut it for my date. For your wife, yes. My wife, yes. I'm going to use it whenever possible. So the fact that she's being reserved with it, I'm not sure whether it kind of speaks to her character and leadership, mm. but and that she, maybe she doesn't want many people knowing that she's forced. Well, sensitive. yeah, and like I think it's really interesting that you bring that up because I think, like we've talked about before, gender plays a lot into it. <laughs> so seeing the difference between just in general, like males that are force sensitive versus females. Like obviously you have an archetype like Ray, that's definitely more OP. And then you have Leia. That's like, you're saying more agility based mm -hmm. and their archetypes being so different. But at the same time, like at a point in the film, there was a question by one of the engineers who was a female. And she was like, why don't we just do blah? And they were like, that will never work because the shields are up or whatever. There was a stupid answer. And I was like, why does it have to be the fucking female engineer that asks the stupid question versus a guy, you know what I mean? And it's like, Oh, why does that make all of us look bad? And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, you're a chargers fan. Who's the head coach. And you're like, yeah. I'm sorry. When did this become a quiz show? Like, I'm just a fan of the team. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, or they're like, what's the third string kicker's name? And you're like, that's not even a thing. Like, what are you talking about? The trick question. The chargers always employ a third string. Kicker. <laughs> Why they lose on special teams. No, <laughs> my team is the Vikings and we just always employ the worst kickers in the NFL. And that's it. Um, we just have the worst luck ever, but 
I'm getting, I'm getting off my soapbox. That was too much. I'm sorry. I was, heated, I don't, but, I don't uh, think it's too much. I think there's, <laughs> again, we're going to get, I think, deep into the issues with switching directors and not having kind of a consistent voice behind you guys addressed mm-hmm. this um, really well in the last podcast that I listened to the, the, the uh, force awakens one, but it does seem like, and again, we, we, you guys have talked about this too. There are different sets of abilities for Jedi to have. Yeah. It would have made sense that if Leia was a politician, a general, a logistician, um, you know, a planner, she would have had just, more yeah. empathy-based abilities, right? Ones that enabled her to sure. work with people better or convince <laughs> people more or something else like that. And they do kind of reserve hers and they kind of play the force theme with, with the music. Um, yes. When she's like looking out and she can kind of sense that Kylo's about to, you know, destroy the bridge, but then it's the other TIE fighter pod that destroys it. It would have been it would have been great if they would have been more explicit about that, particularly in this movie. Um, but again, I think the, the focus on Leia's character was always her leadership. Um, even, you know, even, I mean, from, you know, from into the trash compactor flyboy. I mean, her, her leadership was always at the forefront and they didn't foreground her with force abilities. It felt like the thing you're addressing with the, with uh, the rise of Skywalker, where it's like, Leia was a Jedi all along. Look, she was cool with the green lights. That felt like retconning to address mm. the toxic fandom. And which yeah. is something to get into Ooh. more with this film, but it would have been very cool if they would have been more explicit about Leia's abilities. And then I think there would have been less of a problem with, um, she saves only herself from the void of space after the bridge of the Radis is destroyed. Right. Mm-hmm. That, it would have been interesting to have seen something else like that. Or maybe, maybe she just pulls Akbar back too. And it's like, there's more um, use of the force powers or force powers that we're familiar with looking at. Mm. It, I think that would have been interesting and, and you wouldn't have had the backlash to how that scene looked specifically. So my, what if is what if JJ Abrams <laughs> had decided to lay out the galactic order why things are the way they are a little bit more in the first movie, because it would have given a lot of, a lot of flavor to how this one plays out. And and I'm going to, I'm going to throw something at you. I'm going to throw this at you. Right. Um, There's a lot of context missing in, I don't know why, (laughs) why is the first order, you know, a hundred thousand guys lined up listening to Huck's talk. It's well trained. <laughs> it's thirty cruise, thirty star destroyers, and then the super star destroyer, and, and a couple the dreadnoughts. Resistance, who's supported by the Republic. Wait, why do we not have a standing army? I don't understand. The Resistance in this film is four cruisers: the Radis, the Anodyne, the Vigil, and the Ninka. I don't understand that. Also, there's a thirty-five year time jump to account for the age difference. But there's, I mean, literally, if you look up Battle of, T- of Dakar on Wikipedia, Ooh, it's yeah. concurrent with the funeral of Han Solo. And it's right oh. after the destruction of Starkiller Base. It's literally like 72 hours. Like, they don't oh. even get, like, a military long weekend. They destroy Starkiller Base, <laughs> and then they quit to know where they are. Um, again, here, I'm, I'm going to spoil this. Look, it's half of the Rebel fleet. Right here. Look at him. Right <laughs> he here. has, he has figurines ships. for those of you that can't see our Zoom screen. My, 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 I, I brought some of my Star Wars figurines. Today. Amazing. Um, but yeah, it, you, they never explain why it's only four ships. It, I don't understand it. And it's the kind of thing 
that takes me out of the movie and makes me ask, wait a minute, mm. the entire resistance, which is supported by mm. the Republic, mm. which five of the planets were shot down by Starkiller Base, which was destroyed. Wait, Starkiller Base was destroyed. Oh but my 30 of these ships show up along with uh, uh, Snoke's flagship which is like the size of Texas. I don't, it's, it's, it's gigantic thing that no one can. Uh, and, and this is, this was a spoiler warning that I had before my second favorite moment in all of star Wars. And it does such a good job of grounding this and letting you know exactly where it is, is the moment in the very first episode of the Mandalorian where grief Karga is paying Mando. And he says, I can pay you in Imperial credits. Well, no Imperial credits are no good here. Oh, that lets me know. Five years after, people are still trying to use this money. Okay, cool. This this is similar to other things that have happened, other civil wars. I can pay you in calamari flan, but I can only pay you half. Okay. Will he accept half of the payment in this other currency? We don't have to explain all of what it is. And then he says, what's the next bounty I can get? Five grand, 5,000 credits. That'll barely pay for fuel. That lets you know Mm. exactly what it's like to be a bounty hunter, exactly what it's like to live in in this galaxy. There's none of that detail in any of this, right. JJ punted on all of that. And so now you get, wait a minute, I don't understand why the resistance is four ships. I don't, which, which makes it even worse that uh, Poe sacrifices their entire bomber fleet. If the entire resistance is like 36 fighters, maybe 6,000 people and four cruisers, mm. why are you sacrificing? Okay. All so I have a thought on this as you're, as you're being very passionate about this, I'm kind of thinking it's the same along the lines of the same, like when you're on TikTok and they're like, show me two clips that are the same energy. <laughs> it's like this film leading into the rise of Skywalker. When we get this like huge reveal of all these rebels and resistance coming out of nowhere and like, Oh, oh my God, there's this huge fleet. Oh my God. Look at all these people that everybody listened to the beacon. They came. And then it's like, um, you know, between like, civil war and end game and all of it. And it's like mm. on your left, that same energy um, or infinity war and end game, excuse mm. me, um, where you're getting that same energy of on your left and you're like, what? And you just lose your bananas. Um, I just think it's partly that because they're just like leading up to that, but you're absolutely right. Um, we made it very clear in the last podcast that JJ was only doing an homage to the original trilogies in his film. He was doing a remake of the OT, which we appreciate for what that is, but we want new content. We don't want the same story regurgitated to us on a silver platter and saying, this is new. You should enjoy it. And you're like, I've, I've tasted this light flavor before, like sing me a new song. Um, but yeah, I think part of it was just them trying to plant the seeds leading up to this like climax of all of, all of this rebel resistance fleet coming to save the day later. I, That's kind I of could my see thought. that. I could see that. But then at what it ends up costing is the level of detail and the level of world building, which is what made the Harry, the Harry Potter books great, which is what yeah, made Game of yeah. Thrones a phenomenon. You right, right, it. right. What made, honestly, that it was level of deep. detail. <laughs> it, it's, that's what's missing and I go back and I look at JJ because now all of a sudden we we've we've got a resistance with the Republic as a first order. It's better than the Galactic Empire. I it just that level of of detail and the lack of specificity is 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 the what if that I would like to have seen mm. corrected because it would have put this film and which is it's a this film is a chase movie. Yeah. Not unlike not unlike uh, 
Mad Max Fury Road, Ooh. which is phenomenal, which mm-hmm. moves the same, much the same yeah. way, right. right? But you don't get into the, the chase of it because you're like, I don't understand why there's only four of these things. I feel like if we would have, if he would have followed, if J.J. Abrams would have wrote out that timeline and the, the directors would have followed it, I have a feeling we would have got the same type of movies that we got in the sequels. Mm. I'm sorry, in the, in, in the prequels. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because that was more focused around politics. That was more focused around operating procedures. Yeah, we got a little bit of it too, I'll say really quick, on like the casino. When that happened, I was like, ooh, this is like new and different. Right. And then Which, it's like the shittiest scenes of the entire film that every time I rewatch, I fast forward through and I'm like, I can't joke this And I, I hate to say it because I know we don't want to be political on this podcast, but that was a total political stunt. It was, absolutely. A thousand percent, it was a political stunt. Um, but to your, to your what if. <laughs> and I know Mike has strong feelings on that and we'll get to that very shortly in the next segment. <laughs> um. I feel like it would have been a repeat of what we had for the prequels. Yeah. And that's as funny as, as you were reading that question initially, Alyssa and I were kind of shaking our heads because I think we both had the same kind of thought train going on here mm-hmm. that it would have repeated what we already had. And right. that was a lot of the angst and a lot of the hate for the prequels. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's only because it's JJ, like, yes, obviously Ryan took the helm and this movie was so much better than the other one. And we can just say that it was way better than the force awakens. And I have no problem saying that, but um, yeah, it's, it's not perfect, but to your point, I think it could have been better if there was more groundwork for Ryan to work with and not have to kind of scrap a couple things and come up with new stuff. And let me reiterate, you know, based off of, you know, it's not like you're coming into a blank slate and you can do whatever you want and paint on. It's, it's literally like somebody paint all over this canvas and they took a bag of dog crap and they threw it against the wall. And they're like, (laughs) Hey, can you make art out of this? And you're like, I don't know. There's flies buzzing around. Let me try to do something with it. Creative. And he did pretty well. Um, it still smelled like dog crap here or there, but (laughs) like, I, I think you have those, those large, and I, I, I do get, I do get wanting to avoid what the prequels did, but now in hindsight, the level of detail in the prequels yes. combined with what they filled in around the story, which is yeah. clones and rebels really <laughs> makes you understand and, and really care for a lot of the stuff in that. Whereas yeah. with these, I don't think there's going to be the same level of rewatchability No, with these. Uh, because there's that lack of detail and there's that lack of world building. Yeah, so I, I think I do that's one it. of the many things that's missing. I agree with that. Okay, now moving on to our personal best and worst. I have a feeling this might get a little heated and a little lengthy. So fasten your seatbelts, everybody. Um, my personal best or best, plural, is Leia's one-liners in this movie. Yes. So that's really reference, um, hope is like the sun. If you only believe it when you see it, you'll never make it through the night. Mm-hmm. I feel like that should be scripture as well. That I'm pretty sure that might be somewhere in the Bible. Probably. Um, there are things you cannot solve by jumping in an X-wing and blowing something up. <laughs> I was totally waiting for her to say blowing shit up. I was right? really hoping for that, but obviously we never got that. Um, I know what you're going to say. I changed my hair. 
that is a perfect. I haven't seen my brother in a long while, and I'm gonna yeah. kind of bust the bust his yep. chops. Yeah. And it, t- it totally fed off when Han and Leia saw each other in the, f- in the previous movie. It's like, same, same jacket? jacket? No, yeah. new jacket. Jacket. Yes. <laughs> and uh, lastly, Alyssa used it for our spoiler warning, but get your head out of your cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> Way to just move everybody's um, thoughts down the gutter on that one. Um, and then my worst, I kind of already touched on earlier, was my initial, my initial reaction was my worst because I let people who around me influence my decision instead of making my own decision on this movie. Um, That's really, that's really mature. um, I couldn't find a worse. I mean, yeah, the scene on cancel bite, we definitely could have done without that was a total side, not even a side mission is a total left turn (laughs) and went nowhere, accomplished nothing. Like they literally could have found the code breaker on uh cantina on tatooine for all i care true true too many cantinas though we have too many <laughs> no not enough cantinas <laughs> but that's that's my personal best and worst mike what do you have so for my best i think my best and worst are linked here and there's an interesting question for why my best are the character arcs of the core six characters that it is very apparent Ryan Johnson cared about Luke and Leia, mm-hmm. Kylo and Ray, uh, Admiral Holdo mm. and Poe Dameron. Those six characters, the interplay between them, um, the learning that they do, the force time sessions were a really great use of a new force power, a way for these characters to connect, even if they're not together. It shows a connection between them, and it really did a lot for, I think, some of the, the budding romance, um, you know, angles that a lot of people, people were shipping, you know, Kylo and... and um, Raylo, and you're welcome. Um, there, there you go. That's, that's, I, think, I think there was a lot there in that movie yeah. for them developing some kind of romantic connection. I think um, Leia, I'm actually going to save Leia and, and Poe for last, but Luke being... Luke being the grumpy old man who had failed and wanted to retreat from life. Totally get that. Um, you know, again, if you give that character to Clint Eastwood, nobody questions it. <laughs> but when you turn Luke Skywalker, everybody's favorite Jedi, into someone, you know, alone, filled with regret, I, that was, it was a huge amount of backlash to that. And I didn't, I never understood that because I got why someone like Luke, would retreat, wouldn't want to fight, wouldn't want to be the spark of hope because he had failed and he had failed with his family. He had failed with his family. He had had his entire temple destroyed. I, I totally get that. I get him not wanting to train Ray. I get Ray's why, right? There's something inside of me. It's always been there and now it's awake and I'm scared. Who hasn't felt like that? I mean, that's that's the entirety right. of the X-Men, of the mutants in in, in Oh. That's everything that's Max. going through puberty. That's every single thing that you discover about yourself. Um, I love Admiral Holdo as the one that seems like she's blocking the cool character that we're supposed to support. And really, what's she doing? She does not care about looking like a hero. She cares about getting the job done. And the last one, I think it's really apparent. And, and he, he gave room for Carrie Fisher to work. And I'm so glad we got this before her unfortunate passing. Her training um, Poe not to want to jump in his cockpit 
and go blow something up in a fighter, but to think strategically. Every junior officer has been through that. Every single ops boss has had to XO on a ship, has had to take their, one of their best officers aside and say, you got to stop thinking like you're doing that now. You got to become a real leader. That is something that as someone in the military, I, I totally relate to. I, I've yeah. seen that. I've been a part of that. I've been that person that has to slow down and then think strategically. I really think that the arcs of all six of those characters really, really fit well and really resonate. Yeah. And he learns that super quick. He, he does. He's like, Poe, stop. Or Poe says to Finn, stop. He's like, it's not worth it. And you're like, dude, you just learned that lesson like three scenes ago. He did, but, he's applying, but he's applying it right there. Yeah. And again, that's, that is sometimes yeah, how incredible. That's a lot that, of growth. the best. I, and I, I love it. I love the growth in those characters. I love what Ray brings out of Luke. I love all of, all of those arcs. For my worst, I'm going to go for a second. I'm going to go to the side. I'm going to reach right next to me. I'm going to pick up a soapbox. I'm going to put this soapbox in front of me. And I'm going to stand on the soapbox for a little bit. I'm a biracial kid from California. My parents were in the Navy. They met in the Navy. Um, I grew up in an environment that was very accepting to all different types of people in Southern California. Watching what happened to... um, to Finn's character, how foregrounded he was in the marketing and all of the run up to The Force Awakens. I mean, he's literally the only person holding the blue lightsaber in in, in the trailers, right? Right, You don't see, actually it's it's one of the brilliant things about that movie is it it, it lets Rey be the surprise. And now you've got, wow, this two Jedi. This is gonna be great. It was amazing to me to see that. Um, and to watch what, again, and having read, um, you know, the, the Kelly Marie Tran interview that was in Vanity Fair reading, um, the GQ interview that John Boyega did, um, a couple of months ago, it's very apparent that a certain very toxic set of the fandom bombarded these people Mm. with negative comments, with racist comments. Yeah. Um, and it's also apparent that Disney took that feedback that these, these, characters, these actors got for the characters they were playing and they put it into how they changed the movies over time. I know I'm not going to be on the Rise of Skywalker pod, but it's very apparent that they take Rose and they sideline her for sure. even more than they sideline her in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they try to make some remedies with Finn, but it, it, he was set up to be another Jedi. It's very apparent in that. Mm-hmm. And they, it's very apparent that they went away from that. Um, and it seems like they did that because of the backlash and because a certain segment of the fandom, um, which doesn't represent, I don't think it represents all the fandom, all of the Star Wars fandom, mm-hmm. but it seems like Disney kowtowed to that negativity. And watching the only two, uh, you know, I, 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 Oscar Isaac um, also is a person of color. So sure, I don't sure. Too, but taking... Um, the two very most recognizable ones that right? were in the same plot line together. So we take them, we send them on a mission to a place that doesn't matter to get a thing that ultimately doesn't matter. And then even uh, I would have been happier if they let Finn die, sacrificing himself Ugh. to do something to give them the, the, the room to escape. Mm-hmm. They give these characters nothing to do. And I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know if it's Ryan Johnson, because he apparently he very apparently cares about the character arcs. Of the right. other six characters. Right. These characters go off and do nothing for the entire movie. And it's it's interesting to me to see 
that change, particularly in Finn's character. Yeah. That is the worst thing about the movie. And unfortunately, it's one of the worst things about Star Wars and how it's been handled is it seemed like the backlash that would, would arise, the negativity in the fan, in the, in the Star Wars fandom, almost drove um, how the movies were, were made. And I'm not really a fan of that. I think that's the worst part of this movie. No, and that's so interesting, too, because uh, I'll just say really quickly, like, the points you're making make a ton of sense. And obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, Oscar Isaacs is Hispanic. And obviously, we do get another, you know, uh, Hispanic actor playing DJ's character that I mentioned earlier, um, obviously. But I think what's interesting is, just from my perspective, like, I'm, I'm biracial, I'm Hispanic and white and I, I'm white passing. I sound white. I look white. I look very white. I am very white, like red hair, white, like red hair and white (laughs) skin, white, but, um, there's Puerto Ricans with red hair on the Island from the Island. But, you know, um, Bianco del Toro, like is white passing and Poe, um, (laughs) is white passing. You know what I mean? Like they, um, unless you're really thinking about it and really looking at it, you have a black character and an Asian character that they're not white passing individuals. So it's very interesting to see the nuance between the characters and how they did a disservice to both those actors and both those characters. There was so much potential. And then it was like, let's just make them fall in love. And it was like, (laughs) and we didn't do that for Ray and Kylo. They were building up to it. And there was an opportunity at the end of that throne room scene where they were coming together and you were like, this is it. They're going to do, they're going to do it. They're going to kiss. And they didn't do it. And I was like, thank God they did it. Cause it definitely makes more sense later on. Spoiler alert. But um, yeah, I'm with you on the soapbox. I'm, I'm hiking myself up there. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I think there's a lot of nuance to this and, and I'm not trying to judge this in 2020, you know, uh, the, the world right. we live in 2021 or anything else like that. I'm just going back and going, wow, it was really powerful to me to see a black character holding a lightsaber. Um, and this is after Mace Windu and after everything else, a right. foregrounded character, um, primary you know protagonist in a Star Wars movie holding. But that's the trope is the black character is killed off in the movie. So it's definitely valid for you to have that feeling of, oh, it's finally a character holding a black character holding a lightsaber because Mace was killed off. You know what I mean? And, and, and I have a very distinct memory of you know taking the whole family to go see The Force Awakens and being so excited. And my daughter. Uh, you know, who's, who's 10 now. So she was, you know, five um, would come and would, would get me. I mean, would wake me up out of bed sometimes and would say, daddy, make the lightsaber miss you and go to me. That scene from, uh, from Force Awakens where I would oh, jump back and she would grab it. Uh, like, great. It's these things are important. And, and, you know, representation she, matters. Yeah. She gets to grow up in a world where she, you know, she doesn't want to be Ray, but Ray is a, a reflection of the right. ferocity and the pride and everything else that she has. Right. She gets to see herself reflected in Ray, not, not want to be these, these characters, but to get to see herself represented. And it was unfortunate. And again, to, to, to your world, I mean, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi casting for the show, uh, Moses Ingram, Kumal Nanjari, Indira Varma, Rupert Friend, Benny Safdie, Sun Kang, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Simone. Like, there are, they're putting people who look like everybody across the rest of the United States and the rest of the world yeah. into these shows. They're doing a terrific job. Um, and they're having character again, like um, a character like Cara Dune, who is a foregrounded, very tough female. 
protagonist Mm -hmm. who Mando comes to when he needs help. These are important characters. They're extremely important Mm -hmm. characters. And I'm glad that we have them in Star Wars. I just think back to, man, it seemed, and again, it felt that way at the time. And it's like, wow, I wonder why they just took these characters and they put them over here where it doesn't matter and then make nothing they do reflect anything in the movie. Even DJ's character is, they need the slicer for what? So he can betray them and then nothing happens. literally. Either way, well, I've said what I thought is the best and worst. I'm going to take a step down from my soapbox. I'm going to put my soapbox <laughs> back over here. And we'll go from there. Kylo's wife. What were your best? <laughs> Soon to be widow, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, yeah. That being said, um, my best was Kylo being shirtless. Um, absolutely. Um, no, I'm joking. Um No, I've already said it. The best was the throne room scene. And I know there's problems with it, with editing or whatever. I don't care about all that. Every time I watch it, that is my, again, empowerment. I could kick down a door, not even just feminism, but just Jedi-ism of like (laughs) the the blood pumping, like, (laughs) yes, all of the things. Snoke getting tricked, describing himself getting murdered. He right literally, murdered. like, put a quarter. You just played yep. yourself. Like, he turns his blade to his true to enemy. Try true to his true enemy. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. I love I that. love um, the weapon of the Temple Guards here as well. Yes. All of if the I, different. If I could have any, any weapon from <laughs> Star Wars, is I want, like, their Viber Blade, like, um, uh, staffs. Yeah, they're very cool. This, this would be a really good. What did you guys do? Ask the archives last time, where you um you, the council um, yeah consult the council where you had you guys choose which Jedi you are. You guys need to choose your your weapons for each other. Oh yeah, Ooh. that'd be a, yeah. that'd be a really good one. Which weapon? Would yeah. You, would By you the way, thanks for always sending in such amazing <laughs> questions for us. I try. Um, yeah. I cannot. Yeah. My other um, best, we kind of talked about Holdo's character. I love Laura Dern for so many things, but I loved her in this. And I remember when that um, scene played out and the Star Cruiser blasted into the other ship and the music cut out and it was silent. And I remember saying, oh my God, or something to that effect out loud and being like, oh, and gasping and being like, oh, sh- oh shoot, there was no music. Like everyone could, everyone in the movie theater just heard me go, oh my God. And then I was like, oh, that's so embarrassing. I'm that person. I, um, I saw it twice in theaters and you were, it was the only thing I've ever seen that was that quiet is the scene from Mission Impossible 1 where he ooh, comes down on the ropes and yes. everyone said silent. Because you have to be, because if you do, Ethan Hunt will be captured. Literally, literally. Both times I saw it, no one said a word. Exactly. I love that. Um, And I love that it was a woman, like, making that decision. And like you said, she's, you're thinking she's one thing, and then she's actually the leader in the other. That character is is phenomenal. And again, using using not the traditional definition of heroism. um, But again, you watch all of the other captains of the other ships, the Vigil, the Ninka, and the Anandine go down with with their ships. Yeah. And you see, she gets to have the same kind of, and, you know, again, with a, from a perspective, process, she right. gets to go down with her ship and on her own terms. Right. Um, and again, I listen, I, for everybody out there, and again, including J.J. Abrams, who may have made sure that he had a thing in Rise of Skywalker about the hold on maneuvers only one in a million. Listen, yeah. I don't care in the theater as a moment of cinematic memory. That was 
dope. It was so yes. good. So dope. So Amazing. good. Yes. Every time it still gives me goosebumps. That and obviously Luke force projecting himself on crate. Um, I never really caught this and this was, this is kind of like access the archives, but when Luke is force projecting himself, his beard is Brown. He's projecting himself as the Luke that Kylo remembers as the trainer version of himself as the trainer. Um, I thought that was just really visually stunning with the blades, what like swinging through and then his foot swiping in the red and you're like, Oh my God. And then it's the salt yeah. and all of that. You don't know if he, if he missed him or not, you don't know what happened. Exactly. It, it, exactly. The whole um, spiel with Hux being screwed with in the beginning feels very rebels callous <laughs> to me. Yes, um, so does. I love that. And um, of course the part that got me very emo before we logged on was the binary sunset on Luke's, um, uh, you know, yep. I don't want to call it his death. Cause he just kind of evaporated into the cosmic force, but my worst, I'll take them very quickly. It was really just the pacing of the film, just the cutting back and forth between the Island and these side missions. They could have made it more oceans 11 and like very cool. And they just, they didn't. We we've we've pretty much harped on that. How does Ray know how to swim? Um, I don't know. She's lived on a desert her whole life. She's very athletic, but like, how does how does she swim? I don't know that. And the milk, I could just do without that entire scene. Laura um, was. We're cute. we're not. We are not kink shaming. Let my man drink milk in whatever fashion. <laughs> it's just I didn't need to see that. I, I had I had three questions from this movie. Let's do um, it. First is, what if Leia hadn't forgotten that she was a complete logistics expert who, along with <laughs> Mon Mothma, ran a rebellion during like a tyrannical government? I, I, I don't, again, this is the detail. This is the, maybe this is only me, but why is the resistance only four cruisers? Why does nobody show up to support them when they're still, the, again, like the first order reigns? What? Mm. The first one just had Starkiller base destroyed like, 10 minutes ago. I feel like part of it is like any, anytime we see the empire like stumble and fall, we see all of these supporters start to desert. <laughs> it's kind of like when Voldemort is like, I killed Harry Potter and Harry's alive. The death eaters are like, bye. And they start oh, yeah, piecing uh, out. Uh, um, like I will leave now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, let's go. Draco. Um, it's just, it's, it was a weird one to me of like, I, I wonder, she she built a rebellion. She helped build a rebellion under the empire's nose. She can't build a resistance. And again, it's, it's the same thing of like, the first order reigns 10 minutes after Starkiller base is destroyed. How? How did we do that? Let's, let's, let's go into that. So that, that's one. Um, second one. John Boyega is a phenomenal actor. I don't know if you've seen Red, White, and Blue, the the um the small acts movie, mm-hmm. or you know the the speech that he gave in Hyde Park last. I summer. did. I did watch um, that. He is a phenomenal orator. Great speaker. Given him like a two minute scene to just let him cook as an actor, the way they do the rest of the characters, it it would have been dope. I think it would have been cool. I think Finn would have been dope character. The last one that I had is, what if the Resistance had sent. Why it's three problematic faves: Senator Chief Palpatine, uh-huh. Senator Jar Jar Binks, uh-huh. and the Crime Lord Jabba the Hutt on a Rogue One style mission to Canto Bight to go and try to acquire some way to hack onto the. I think your three favorites going on a Rogue One style mission would have defeated the First Order in about 
72 standard hours. What? Uh, then they would have fought over who, who gets the credit. Uh, we'll deal with that. Did you did you watch Rebels? I've watched a good bit of Rebels, not all of Rebels. Do you remember it was an episode called The Box where all the bounty hunters are kind yep. of so I feel like we're gonna have that to where they're kind of working with each other, but they're not. And then we get um crap, what's his name? We always forget his name. The guy the guy with the hat. Onyo. No. The one of the main bounty hunters with the big rim hat. Alyssa, do you, you know how Andrew about is screaming at up, us right now. <laughs> Andrew it's the so one good. it's the one he's obsessed with. With the crossbow and the hat. Um his name's like Ornio or Onyo or something like that. I'm I'm not good at this part. <laughs> Cad Bane. Thank oh, you. Cad Bane. That's oh, the one Andrew's the, obsessed with. The, yeah. Cad Bane. Okay. One of one of the many he's obsessed with. I feel like we would have they would have act they would have finished off like we did in an episode where all the bounty hunters died or they didn't <laughs> make it all the way through. Because I mean, Jaja doesn't has no leadership style whatsoever, so he's gonna kind of follow the crowd. Jabba can't move more than 10 feet without needing a drink. Um, <laughs> or something I feel, very, I feel very seen right now. <laughs> and then we've got Sheath, who doesn't lift a finger and has his minions do everything for him. Our boy Sheath, we love it. I feel like they would have figured out a way to get the Master Code Breaker out of Canto Bite and onto that ship. I feel like they would have figured it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those were my three. That's a total callback to our either first or second. Um, <laughs> um, it was the second, and I remember because that was my question. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> we had we had a, a lot of fun with that. Uh, I remember that because I think my my Jedi was Plo Koon. It, yes, it was the leader, and then Alyssa did the perfect cheat, which is where she took. Another force user, but not a Jedi. She ain't no Jedi. <laughs> Depends on what time period we have for us. Well, um, I went with present day. <laughs> All right, guys. So it's time for the Jedi Order to end and for this podcast to end as well. <laughs> not the sacred times. <laughs> that was one of my other worse. I didn't say was. Page turners, you are not. In the way. <laughs> did you? The way he he the sacred text, but I love it at the same time. <laughs> huge, huge, huge shout out to my man Mike for finally joining us on the podcast. Your man, he's my man, babe. Like, you can fight me thank for you him. Guys. Like thank we you so like we mentioned earlier, he has had one, if not at least two questions on every consultant account. Oh, many, many um, great questions. Definitely sparks um, some resistance and some uh uh, fights between us for sure on, on questions so <laughs> mike not only thank you for being on the podcast but also thank you for your service for yes, serving thank you in for the, your service in the military with us hope you continue to send in send in those questions for sure absolutely thank you guys for having me on it was yes, a pleasure thank you so as, much. as always let the hate flow <laughs> <laughs> join us next time where we wrap up the sequel trilogy with the rise of Skywalker. Ooh. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. In the meantime, check us out on Instagram at Spectre underscore radio and on Facebook as Spectre Radio. 
Be sure to submit your questions via social media for a chance to hear us answer them on our upcoming segment, Consult the Council. This is Spectre Radio, signing off.